Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review as we are brought to you by Bonnet Sales and Service, Courtney of Maple Down Senior Living Community, and Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. It is out major bookstores and online where books are sold. It's called Runnin' Redbirds, the world champion 1982 St. Louis Cardinals. The author is Eric Vickery, and he joins us now. Eric, congratulations on the book. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So the 1982 Cardinals, I mean, it's easy to say anytime a team wins the World Series or even beyond that becomes a dynasty, like, oh, well, they were special. Well, yeah, duh, they won it all. But what was it about this particular group as you wrote this book that, I don't know, made them different, separated them, etc.? And when do you think, as a follow-up, they knew that they were World Series caliber? Well, yeah, the Cardinals, um, 82 Cardinals won um, the pennant despite hitting only 67 home runs. And that's the fewest number of home runs um, hit by any uh, pennant winner since the uh, 1920s. So they were truly an outlier in terms of the lack of power that they had. Um, you know, they actually were quite successful in 1981. They had the best record in the National League East division, uh, but because of the split uh, season format did not make the playoffs that year. So I think coming into 82, they already had some confidence and knew that they were a good team, but they uh, acquired Ozzie Smith and Lonnie Smith heading into the 82 season I think that's what really put them over the top. And obviously, the you know the the National League had for years, um, you know, been really a faster league than the AL. You know, ever since the um, uh, you know introduction of black players, Jackie Robinson, and on and on it goes. Where you know Cardinals yeah. and Pirates and Dodgers. I mean, that that played a huge uh, part in 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 their World Series, right? And and a lot of teams were running, maybe, but not quite like they were, you know, on the whole. One team might have had Tim Raines like the Expos, but not many had, you know, that collection of players like the Cards. Exactly, yep, yeah. And uh, A's had Henderson, uh, who kind of broke out that year and stole 130. But, yeah, yeah the Cardinals, kind of from top to bottom, um, were, were a fast team. And that's kind of what um, Whitey Herzog uh, aims for when he built the team. Uh, you know, Bush Stadium was such a, a huge, expansive uh, stadium. It was 404, uh, 414 feet to center field, 383 to the gaps. Uh, so when Herzog took the job in 1980, uh, you know, he kind of looked around and saw he had a bunch of guys who could hit, you know, a bunch of 300 hitters, uh, but not a lot of guys who could steal bases. So he basically rebuilt the team uh, to fit the ballpark and got a bunch of uh, speedsters. Yeah, by the way, you have Keith Hernandez and Ozzie Smith in the infield. Good luck getting a ball out of there, huh? I mean, my goodness. Uh, the defense, exactly. Yeah, the defense playing such a big part as well. I, I don't have any doubts about Ozzie Smith being a Hall of Famer. I know he was elite at his position, so much to the, to, to the tune that he might be the best ever at the position. But Keith Hernandez gets a lot of Hall of Fame attention. Um, I don't know if it's because they've let in some players in my opinion, I don't think who deserved to be in, uh, or it's because he was great defensively, if it's because the markets he played in, you know, the whole PR thing, because he's a broadcaster now. I don't know what it is, but where do you land on Keith Hernandez's possible Hall of Famer? Do you think he is worthy? He's, he's definitely a borderline case. Uh, you can make that argument. You know, he, like you said, uh, perennial gold glove winner, 
Um, won the MVP in, in 79, uh, co-MVP, co-MVP with uh, Stargell that year. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think he probably falls a little short, um, but I think if, if you're somebody who um, prefers a, a big Hall of Fame, uh, you know, you, you could certainly make that argument. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, <clears throat> for me, you know, I've been covering the induction, you know, every year for forever. Um, and it just seems like every year, or couple years, there's, you know, it's like, oh, geez, that's kind of a hall of very good. You're not, you're not putting down the players, but it's like, you know, it's, it's the great hall. You know, you want to walk down that hall and see Garrig and Ruth and Williams and Clemente and, you know, Mantle and, <laughs> you know, uh, on and on it goes and, you know, Aaron and Mays and, and on and on and on. So, um, but gosh, what a, what a defensive player. Was he the leader of the team? Was Ozzy the leader of the team? Was it somebody else? You know, I, Gosh, I mean, a lot of those guys were such amazing leaders uh, on that team. But if you if you had, to, I mean, Bruce Suter, if you had to pick one guy, yeah. wh- wh- who would you take as maybe the the guy that everybody went to in the clubhouse? Do you think, Eric? Uh, they had they had a lot of veteran players. Uh, George Hendrick, you know, he was a, yeah. a veteran guy who was, you know, didn't really talk to the media, but he was certainly a, a leader inside the clubhouse. Um, Ozzy Smith, that was his first year with the team, so I'm not sure he was really in a, a big leadership role. Uh, but they had some other veteran guys in the bullpen. Uh, Jim Cott, who was uh, oh, yeah. 42 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suter would certainly fall in that category. Bob Forsh uh, was a longtime uh, veteran presence. So they definitely had a, a mix of good veteran guys and then some a bunch of rookies who came up that year and contributed as well. Yeah, I've had Kitty on a lot, and he's, he's talked about you know this team and just the fan base in St. Louis and just how – how much he loves it. Um, how, how much is he quoted in the book? He is such a great guy and such an amazing, amazing baseball mind. Um, you know, between his long career uh, in the Hall of Fame, I guess there's another guy, right, who's kind of a borderline guy. But, um, yep. you know, how much is he quoted in the book and, and how much did you lean on people who, who know Kitty? Because it seems like between his playing days and his longevity there and his ridiculously amazing broadcast career, I mean, you talk about one of the great baseball minds of all time, right, in, in Kitty. How much is he featured? Does he talk? Uh, people who know Jim, how, how much is he kind of centered in this thing? Yeah, I, I, um, you know, he was at that point in his career kind of more of a, a crafty lefty out of the bullpen, um, kind of a, a long relief guy. So he certainly had a role in the team. He uh, wasn't one of the um, key figures in the book by any means, but definitely uh, have some good uh, cop quotes and tell a little bit about his backstory. You know, one of the things I uh, enjoyed coming across was that at that point in his career, he was the first player to have played in 24 major league seasons. And he had you know, started, faced Ted Williams when he was a rookie um, and had faced something like 18,000 batters to that point in his career. Just uh, unbelievable uh, in terms of longevity. Running Redbirds is the book, the world champion, 1982 St. Louis Cardinals on the ML Sports Platter. Here we have the author, Eric Vickery. Go get the book online. Where books are sold, Amazon.com, EricVickery.com, and of course your nearby bookstores, including Barnes and Noble. I, I love the um, the cover, you know, and, and I'm a huge. <clears throat> I know we connected on Twitter quite a bit, and you could probably get a, a quick idea from me that I'm a, a, a vociferous reader. You know, I, I just love my books, sure. and I don't like you know people do the audio books, and they do. I like the book. I like to hold the book. I like to sit and read the book. I'm old school. I love books. I love to read, and I love you know when it comes in the mail, and I love to look at the cover. This cover is tremendous. It's just so simple with the big block letters, your name at the bottom, and the picture 
right there is Suter and and right at the last moment of the World Series, right? The last out? Is that where we're at here with the cover? That's exactly right, yeah. yeah. It's uh, Bruce Suter and Daryl Porter, Porter yeah. uh, embracing after the uh, final out in Game 7. And to me, that's kind of one of the iconic uh, moments. Of course, uh, you know, the last out of the World Series. But seeing those two, you know, Porter throws his mask in the air. Mm-hmm. They embrace. The, the other players come and swarm them. Uh, so in my mind, that's kind of the uh, when I picture one moment. That that's kind of what I had in mind. And my uh, publisher McFarland, uh, I have to give credit to them for coming up with that uh, great design. But I'm I'm very happy with it. And by the way, that was back when the Brewers were in the in the American League, and uh, the Cardinals beat them in the World Series. Brewers are one of only a select. Uh, you know, gr- they're one of the the select group of teams here that hasn't won a World Series still to this day. Texas Rangers came off that list this past year and uh, I'm yep. sure you're I'm sure you're aware of uh, that group still having yet to win a World Series it's it's quite amazing how close the Brewers got and how good they were that year too I mean it just shows you how hard it is you know when you go in a seven game series like that and you lose like that was a good team that Brewer team uh, Eric oh they were yeah, absolutely they were tremendous they hit 216 home runs during the season which you know to today that wouldn't be a huge number but at that time it was uh, that was a big number it had seven guys in double figures, you know, Hall of Famers. Yount, uh, Molitor, sure. Yount, yeah. Molitor, Ted Simmons, Simmons uh, yeah. former Cardinal, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a heck of a series, seven games, and it's amazing because it started with a ten nothing Brewer blowout, I believe, in game one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then it was one run game, four run game, two run game, two run game, and then another blowout. This time the Cardinals got it done, thirteen to one, and then six to three. In Game 7. couple more for Eric Vickery, the author of the brand new book, Get It Online, where books are sold. Running Redbirds, the world champion 1982 St. Louis Cardinals. They have the best uniform in baseball, do you think, St. Louis? Well, I'm a little biased, but I have to say so. I, I love the Birds on the Bat logo. It's just a, a classic, simple design and, and one that's pretty timeless. Yeah, by the way, the, uh, the, the white is great, and then the away is great, but I, I also like that light blue one that they throw in once in a while. They brought that back, right? Almost kind of like a, I don't know if it's a Sunday jersey, but it's almost like a third jersey now that they wear again, right? Exactly, yeah. They wear it, I think, uh, yeah, Saturday or Sunday yeah. Uh, games, yeah. <clears throat> That's great stuff. What do you, that come back. Yeah, what do you hope people say about this book when they get done with it, Eric? Well, I, I hope people get an appreciation for um, just the style of play that, the 82 Cardinals played. Uh, it's so different than what we see today um, in terms of the amount of speed, the lack of power. Uh, their their pitchers, you know, pitched to contact. They they struck out 4.2 batters per nine innings. So, um, you know, not a lot of superstars. Just a kind of up uh, top to bottom, uh, good all around team. And I, I think there's a lot of interesting uh, backstories too, which I I try to go into a little bit in the book. Uh, you had guys like Daryl Porter, who is who had battled addiction. Um, Whitey Herzog, a, a baseball genius who built the team. Uh, you had guys like David Green and uh, Andujar coming from uh, impoverished countries. So lots of individual backstories, which I delve into in the book. And, um, of course, dive into a lot of the statistical analysis of how that team uh, compares to current-day baseball. The criticism in the game is real, you know, Rob Manfred and the analytics and the ghost runner and the bigger bases and the artificial garbage that's going on. I, I, 
I can't tell you how much I love baseball and, and, and I'm a traditionalist yet. I'm also a, a modernist when it comes to this stuff. I, I kind of try to meet, you know, in the middle. Um, I don't bitch about the bat flip and I do love the pitch clock and I do love a lot of those things. I understand war. I like a couple of analytics, but overall the game for me is disappointing. The game is not what it was for me. Um, I'm 44 years old, just turned, and I, I don't want to be the whole, you know, well, back in my day, because I don't think 44 is 94, but I'm also, by the same token, not 15. Um, but the game is driving me crazy. They're, they're, you know, it's 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 not as entertaining. Um, all those things I mentioned, just they don't make sense to me. Um, the analytics drive me crazy. I, I watch probably a third of the amount of baseball, as, you know, even as recently as seven or eight years ago. Where do you land on the game today? Do you love it? What's wrong with it? How would you fix it? Go anywhere you want with the game today. Sure. Well, you and I are this, the same age, and I have very much uh, similar thoughts to you on, on the game. Um, I, I do like some of the rule changes. I, the pitch clock, uh, by far the best thing um, they've done in the last few years. I'm not a fan of the uh, ghost runner. I think that's yeah, completely garbage. and. Uh, um, limiting the number of pickoffs, you know, not a, not a huge fan of that, although that has seemed to have uh, increased the amount of running in the game. Uh, we saw that in uh, this past season when stolen bases ticked up about uh, average of 30 per team. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm like you. I, that's one of the things I enjoy doing with this book and I went back and watched all of the old uh, the NLCS and World Series games from oh. 82, which are all available on YouTube and uh, really enjoyed kind of the nostalgia of that. Yeah, it's tremendous. Um, I'll, I'll finish with this. Did you ever think that you'd see when you grew up and you started covering the game and you're writing books, a $700 million player? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh <laughs> Yeah, we. I remember a few years ago when two hundred million, you know, seemed like a lot, and that we've seemed to have blown that out of the water. But yeah, that's difficult to even fathom that uh, somebody's making that much money. You know, look, it's not it's not my money. Um, I, I think we do get carried away as fans or media people, like, oh, I can't believe they spent. It, it's it's not our money. So a, why do we care? B, they've probably already made it back. C, I do think though that there needs to be some kind of ROI back, and the Dodgers during this recent time. They only have one World Series, and it was during the 2020 shortened season. Uh, you know, with all these you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions—I mean, a couple, two, three billion spent—they only have one World Series. I think you got to justify that deal by winning two World Series. But what's amazing is if they win one within a couple of years, it'll be justified. Two within four or five, great. But I got to tell you, Eric, they essentially paid for maybe two to four great years of the unicorn Shohei that we know now, because I don't think after year four you're going to get dominant pitcher, dominant hitter, and then basically he's just a DH. From a baseball standpoint, it doesn't make sense. From a business in baseball, it makes sense. Is that where you land? Exactly. Yeah, you couldn't have said it better myself, for sure. Um, but I'm, I, I'm definitely looking forward to watching more Dodgers games next year, for sure. <laughs> well, the ratings will go up, and... You know, I'm a big Yankee guy and have been through the years, and I thought they were ruining baseball's the evil empire, and Shohei signs his deal, and yeah, nobody seems to care. Running Redbirds, it's the book right now. Go get it. The world champion, 1982 St. Louis Cardinals. Eric Vickery is the author online where books are sold. EricVickery.com and Amazon.com and your nearby Barnes & Noble as well. Eric, this was a treat. Thanks so much. The book is great. Have a great one. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it.
The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by CH Insurance. Have an insurance question but can't get anyone on the phone? Call CH Insurance. We're a local agency right here in your community working to deliver the best property and casualty coverage with five-star service. We're here 24-7 to answer coverage questions and help with your claims. The CH team has been excellent to work with and went above and beyond to help my recent college grad get the insurance she needed for her new car and apartment within her budget. CH Insurance, in your corner, every day, every way. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, man, do I have the best deal for you. How about going with my friends at Bet Online? This is one of the busiest times of year. College football, NFL, 50% off your welcome bonus today with Bet Online. Head on over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. It's a 50% bonus up to $1,000 with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. B L E A V. Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is the website. BetOnline, where the game starts. Fall is simply football season, and fans across the country are hoping that preseason hype leads to postseason success. In the NFL, we'll see if early Super Bowl favorites like the Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, and Bills can hold off up-and-comers. And college football fans are wondering if Georgia will make it a three-peat or if top-ranked challengers like Michigan or Florida State can take home the national championship trophy. The college football and NFL seasons are defined by big plays, injuries, and coaching decisions. As a football fan, I also want to hear about the behind-the-scenes and off-field stories that shape the season. The football interviews and topics you hear on the ML Sports Platter are shaped by lessons learned at St. Bonaventure University. The online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism at St. Bonnie equips reporters and hosts for digital storytelling across the sports world. Students learn how to tell compelling stories through digital and traditional platforms. They are also encouraged to envision the future of sports journalism with their capstone projects. This 100% online degree builds on decades of academic excellence, and I'm a proud Bonnie, and I can tell you that you can join me in a growing list of notable graduates, including the New York Post's Mike Vaccaro and ESPN's Raina Banks. In fact, you'll hear from an accomplished alum or industry expert during video masterclasses in each course. Contact an enrollment advisor at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com today to learn more about the online Master of Sports Journalism. That's sbujournalism.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.